is it real or is it a belief system that I've created in my head? And do I need to then say, all right, how can we look at this differently in order to shift the perspective or shift the mindset to really remove whatever barrier we have to doing what we want? host and Emily Ken. And before we start with today's show, please remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. Today, our special guest is Alison Akers Davids. Alison has more than two decades of experience serving in corporate leadership roles. She was the VP of Northeast Coaching Market for Right Management, the VP of Organization Development at the Lehigh Health System in the Great Boston area. And now, as a master corporate executive coach, she loves to help companies, mainly in the health sector, to develop culturally responsive leadership. Welcome to the Mindset Zone, Alison. Thank you, Anna. I am thrilled to be here today. And uh, I will go back to the culturally responsive leadership. But first, I want to start with. Uh, uh, we had spoken before and you have this great way of defining fear. I want to start there. How do you define fear? Sure. Um, it's not the kind of fear where a grizzly bear is chasing you. It's the kind of fear that um, we see ourselves as having. It's the lens within which what we see the world as being and when we hold ourselves back. So a coach who was working with me at one point when I said I didn't want to try something new said, are you feeling fear? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, do you know what fear is? And I said, no. She said, false evidence appearing real. And that actually changed my mindset permanently uh, because I realized that the lens that I was seeing the world often was the lens of false evidence appearing real. And by understanding that, allow you to change the way you are seeing the evidence and question, is really this real? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So obviously there are things like the grizzly bear that we really do have to be afraid of. But when we put thoughts into our conscious space, that hold us back or make us behave in a certain way or stop us from trying to achieve a goal we want, that becomes something that we have to take a pause and we need to look at it and we need to pull it apart. And so when we look at faults, is it real or is it a belief system that I've created in my head? And do I need to then say, all right, how can we look at this differently in order to shift the perspective or shift the mindset to really remove whatever barrier we have to doing what we want? 
And I love this. So, and I think if we think in our own lives, we can find examples of situations that we were avoiding or procrastinating about because of the fear of something. I think it's a, even if we articulate it as fear or other negative emotion, and sometimes they are the having a coach or somebody else that asks the right questions and allow us to see that maybe that is not as real as we thought, allow us to move in a different direction. But I think this same kind of dynamic also happens in teams and organizations, correct? Yes, absolutely. So when you look at the individual, if the individual is struggling with his or her confidence, um, looking at achieving goals or being afraid to make a mistake, you can look at that um, from a team perspective now in how a team operates. So for example, if a team operates in fear, because they fear making a mistake. Their leader is, for example, a perfectionist. Then the team will start to operate in a way where they don't make um, the best decisions. They don't look at alternatives. They don't um, expand possibilities for achieving their goals. And in the organization, that even compounds it even further because now the organization, that becomes an organization culture. So consider the bully leader or the the bully CEO, or maybe not even a bully, a very results-oriented leader that can permeate an entire organization and manifest in fear of making a mistake, fear of speaking out, fear of sharing an idea. So it really can... um, hit an organization at the at the individual team and then the broader cultural organization. And the cultural element in organization is something that you are, I think, passionate about and this, you have loads of experience in working. So can you give us an example of, without revealing names or, uh, but of a situation where this kind of dynamic is happening and then how changing the culture, like uh, you call it culturally responsive leadership, can change the dynamic? Absolutely. Um, Without giving away any names, um, having worked uh, with a Fortune 500 um, organization, the culture was very much, um, I hate to say it, but it was a killer be eaten. So we'll go back to the grizzly bear. Um, Love it. <laughs> it was very, very competitive. It was very results oriented. And if you weren't um, constantly delivering, then that meant that your performance wasn't viewed as highly as somebody who was constantly delivering. That particular organization had a cultural shift under new leadership. So the old leadership, again, that very results-oriented, almost uh, very individualistic. The new leader really looked at teams, innovation, um, a lot of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and brought a more collaborative view to that organization and a collaborative culture. And interestingly enough, 
that particular organization, their stock went up significantly because they were getting more out of people. And when I say getting more out of people, that's not in the negative. It's in the, you know, people wanted to contribute and not being afraid to speak up. And interesting, I'm seeing a beautiful parallel here between what these contrast, these Uh, evolution that uh, you are uh, describing here and uh, with what we know from positive psychology, because uh, positive psychology, if we study the negative emotions and the positive emotions, we know that uh, if we are in a stressful state where negative emotions abound, we literally, we see in a tunnel vision is that you're referring the grizzly bear or the tiger uh, is there is something that we have to pay very close attention to and our vision becomes in a funnel. And I think many times in a metaphorical way uh, is the, the situation we have to finish a project and we need the paper and we don't know or in the computer or even in the desk where that paper is and we cannot see it because we are seeing in a funnel or we cannot see the solution to a problem because we are seeing it in that funnel vision full of that negativity. As soon as you change that dynamic, we relax because uh, the phone rings and we speak with somebody that makes us feel better. And finally, we look around, oh, the paper or we found finally in the computer or suddenly we are in the shower or walking uh, in nature and suddenly the dots connect and we see something that we didn't realize that was there before because we are in a more positive state. So we see in a much broadened way that is very powerful. So what you are describing in that case of that company with the old leadership style was an old leadership style basing on fear and negative pushing. And the, the transformation was a culture that... Uh, Uh, allows the space for positive, more positive sense and positive framework. Doesn't mean that negative things don't go, happen there, but allows more space for people to find innovative solutions. Will that be a, a, a good description? Absolutely. You, you mentioned positive psychology. I think in the past, organizations focuses, uh, focused on weaknesses would focus on, you know, people think of performance appraisals, you know, they would focus on weakness. Positive psychology focuses on strengths. And I believe that we can eliminate fear when we are supported and we are in community in our organizations. And I think it's, this is really important and, and valuable. And also it's, it's not a polyanistic kind of thing. It's not everything is going to be roses. Right. It's it just <laughs> that instead of always uh, being in the, uh, what in coaching we say that push, push, push energy, there is more space to get in the flow state, in the pulse uh, kind of energy that uh, people, yeah, you still work hard. There is still course correction, but there is more space for people to grow. Yes, absolutely. I think of um, 
you know, Tal Ben-Shahar. And I remember him saying, you know, the, the science of happiness is not being happy all the time. It's about being resilient and it's about dealing with setbacks, but it's the environment that we create around us that helps us deal with those setbacks. So it's not always being happy, but it's at least being even and it's being insightful and aware. And the environment we create that take us to the culture within our organization. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what you say that is the culturally responsive leadership. So in its essence, it's a leader looking into the organization and understanding the culture and what the culture needs to provide for people to be successful. In other words, right now, think about people working from home. We still have organization culture, even though we might be in a, in a Zoom-based culture. So what does that leader do in order to bring people together? Does he or she need to be more responsive to individual needs? Does he or she need to be more responsible to team needs? And how? Is it bringing people together again right now on Zoom to have conversations about collaboration? Is it about to have conversations about um, diversity, individual needs at home? So it's really being responsive to the culture and ensuring that the culture almost wraps around people versus becomes a disabler, if that makes sense. So in a, um, and I know that this is simplistic, but just to, for us to be able to visualize it here, the culture element is that the environment we create and can be the physical environment, the psychological environment, the team environment, but is the, the thing that involves the situation. And then the responsiveness is the openness to the communication, to listen, and to, to a two-way avenue of communication. Yes, and, and I also believe that it's looking under the iceberg. Um, you know, the, the iceberg analogy that we see the tip, which might be day-to-day -day work, but we need to see underneath it and how that work affects people how um, being on a team affects people, how the leader affects people. So to be culturally responsive is also taking that more insightful look organizationally. And by allowing and nurturing and fostering this culture responsive leadership, what does allow an organization to do? I think set itself apart. And what I mean by that is to create a culture where people can thrive, where there's possibility and the ability to be able to achieve results and goals. It's not an either or, but rather it's, it's a, to create a system where, honestly, where people can thrive. Because um, honestly, that's where what we all want, right? We want to go to a place where we can bring our best, where people are going to um, listen to ideas, where we're going to listen to others' ideas, and where we can create a supportive system while also 
delivering results, by creating change. And at the same time, this is going against the status quo where people are used to, because even I, I caught myself when I was asking this question, my first impulse was asking, what is the problems that this framework can solve? And now when I was going to say that, I said, but that is focused on the negative. That is like you're saying of the performance reviews on the weakness. And I try on the go to, to move to the positive, what this allow us to do. But I presume that this is one of the things that you have to work with the leaders and people at all levels in organization, because is the habit that we have of focusing on the negative. Especially during change. And if we look at change, organizations forget to educate people that change is an event and something stopping and something new is starting. But we often forget to coach people and support people on the actual transition. Tell us a little bit about that. So we're in constant change. We have been. Um, I think about my own career, and I don't think I've ever <laughs> been stable at all. And yet, we we do we teach change management so we talk about okay something's stopping something starting but we don't talk about the transition and meeting people where they are and so to go back to fear once we start that transition it can become a very convoluted process, confusing process. Um, people kind of feel like they might be falling off, off a cliff. And that's where we have the opportunity to be culturally responsive. We can look at where people are in the change cycle and we can help them through that while building the organization of the future if that makes sense. And to me, it's very much about understanding where people's mindset is and then partnering with them to get through that. And understanding the human nature, because I think is con this constant change is not, even if it's a change for the better, I always... Uh, I still remember when I was studying psychology, when I saw one of the studies that even a change like change to your dream house or getting married and you really want to get married or having kids, all that, even positive events in our lives can create a lot of stress because it's a change. <laughs> well, I, I'm thinking about the new Zoom communities, you know, with people moving out of the cities and moving to Bozeman, Montana or whatever. That's a huge transition. Yes, you're working in the same kind of Zoom atmosphere that you might have been working on in Seattle. But now you have to go find a new pizza place, a new place to get a haircut, to get your kids a physical. That's the transition. That's where all the hard stuff happens. And it's the same in business. That's where all the hard stuff happens. New people on the team, new ways of doing things. And I think to go back to the fear, that's where sometimes we can start to listen to those tiny voices that say, oh, you can't do that or keep doing it the old way or whatever that tiny voice says to you. Because when we are under stress, we have the tendency to go back to our old patterns of behavior, our old patterns of thinking. So it's like that the shouldn't, don't do this, don't do that, you should do this. Uh, and the focus on the negative that is so um, reinforced uh, uh, during our lives. So. I 
how do you break these cycles? How do you help in a constant way? Because we are speaking, it's not a one event, but that how can we help people breaking these cycles and building new habits? There's three ways. There's three steps. The first step to me is to understand change and to understand that change is is the event and to understand your reaction to that. Is it a fear-based reaction? Are you excited by it? You know, what is it? And the second step then is to explore yourself. If you've had similar change in the past, what can you learn from it? What can you change as you're going through that? How can you change your mindset or to use your words earlier, can you recognize that you're in a particular habit? Maybe you're in a habit um, of working and the world changed and that habit needs to change. So that to me is the second place. And then the third step to me would be to find resources is to look at do you need coaching? There are so many books out there. You know, right now I'm I'm reading Own Your Own Greatness by Lisa Orby Austin on imposter syndrome. You know, it's reading and talking to other people and finding community. Love that. So let's recap because this is really a, a, a gold nugget in my opinion for me. So understanding change. So Okay, change happens. Uh, and then that three steps, uh, understanding the dynamic there, if it's through uh, a negative thing like fear or excitement, but still a change is happening. Then uh, the what can I learn? The second step of exploring oneself and we can define in terms of mindsets. Uh, I see mindsets are habits of our mind. So we can help that change. And then we have the resources, find the resources that can support us in that process. Is this a good summary of the three steps? Yes. And and in the resources, I would just want to emphasize the importance of community as a resource. And how do you do that in organization? How can you, because I agree with you that community, the group, we are not, uh, we are social beings or like in the words of another interview that I did in this podcast with um, Gina Bianchini, that is the founder of Mighty Networks, that is a software platform all focused on communities. And she, we came out uh, from the conversation, the term we are connecting beings. We need the connection. We need the community. How do you do that in organization? I, you know, I, I do believe it probably starts at the top, but I also believe that organization development and human resource teams can help with this. It's maybe creating a group you know, so that people can come to this particular group. Right now, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a big thing. So is there a group that we can, a virtual group, since most things are virtual right now, that we can drive people to? Is it Something as simple as, okay, we have um, a problem in the organization, and I'm not being in the negative, um, but hey, could we get this group together to solve this problem? How about training programs? You know, bringing together people to learn new skills. I also think that we are missing an opportunity to bring people together to figure stuff out, to 
bring them into the conversation to say, okay, how do you want to work? How do you want to communicate? So, I mean, to me, it's almost limitless if we want to be creative and and encourage people to call each other. You know, think about, I think about two years ago um, at, at Leahy Health, you know, walking next door um, to one of my, my team's offices to bounce off an idea. I shouldn't not do that because she's not next door, but I have to develop a new habit. I have to develop a new habit to say, hey, I need to get feedback. I need to run something by somebody, or I just need support today. And uh, going back to the community and going back to the resources and all that culture that uh, we are speaking here about, that is also uh, because one of the things that allow a community to shape and to thrive is a common purpose. Yes. So that is part of the culture, I imagine, part of that work of the culture and a big responsibility of the leadership to set that purpose or to allow that purpose to be articulated. Absolutely. And this may be an opportunity for leadership to bring many voices in, to, to collect people's um, views on what is our shared purpose? We've been through an exceptional amount of change in the last few years. I would argue even before the pandemic. So bringing people's voices in can, can put their skin back in the game, so to speak, help them feel valued, help them create new possibilities. And I also think to go back to the fear piece, dial back concerns on being included. Tell a little bit more about that, please. I think that if we can hear people's voices, one of the things that I used to see in engagement surveys, I was responsible for um, engagement at Leahy Health, was inclusion was one of the number one things that engaged people. And inclusion in decision-making, inclusion in goal-setting, inclusion in... I don't know, almost how you, how you um, did patient care. So we can create inclusion. And when we create inclusion, people feel a part of something bigger. And that eliminates fear. I love it. It's going beyond the fear. And it allows to be more responsive. There is that culture of responsive uh, listening and including and asking is not top down or bottom up. Is both is the communication always between all the levels? Yes. So if you go back to the individual team and organization levels, leadership or organization development or HR should constantly be looking at those lines of communication between those three areas. Because if you get your individuals cut off and it's only team conversations and you're not talking to individuals about their own aspirations and dreams, well, you've cut off a whole, a whole piece of the organization and you can create a new set of behaviors that, that may not serve the greater organization. So very much um, loops of communication. Yeah. And it, by including more aspects, by including more dimensions, by including more people, more point of views, 
there are more resources to tap into. And it doesn't have to be complicated. My belief, and this is my belief, I, I think that we've, we've made it too complicated. You know, we put together these huge programs when all it really takes is for a leader to get groups of people together with a, you know, a really powerful question and then let it flow. We don't have to overcomplicate it. So are you saying that change doesn't need to be painful? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I, I think we've over-engineered it, Anna. And uh, I think that we have the opportunity now to possibly simplify things a little bit. And I think that is at the core of one of your secrets when you work with companies that allows you to produce quick transformation because you don't try to complicate things. You see the, the uh, thread and you go to the important stuff. I did in my early career. I definitely complicated things with too many models and theories, but... Honestly, the models and theories are important to give you the baseline, but the action does have to be simple, understandable, clear directives. What's the expectation? And then let people go. So you learn and now you are helping others. So if people want to know more about you and about your work, where they can go? Well, sure. I'm on LinkedIn, as you know, <laughs> under Allison Akers Davis. And my business is um, AkersDavis.com. And I will make sure that all the links will be in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much. Appreciate your... Oh, Anna, thank you. This was an absolute joy to have a conversation with you today. Thank you for listening and remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world. <laughs>